This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Amen and amen. Well, can we thank the worship team one more time for being fantastic today? Unbelievable. Hey, honestly, want to say thank you. It was a historic week for us at the church where uh, we had heart and soul on Wednesday night. Unbelievable night uh, celebrating the vision of 2017. But honestly, thanking God for what he did in 2016. And then, of course, you know, uh, yesterday at our offices, uh, giving away hope to families in need. And we say it all the time here at Zoe, but we believe it is better to give than it is to receive. And uh, if you're new to Zoe, just a heads up, we are a generous church. We are a pick-up-the-bill church. We are, we're going to pay for your coffee church. And uh, this Christmas, it's our privilege to help families that don't have a lot and uh, not try and become the hero of the church, but to really make mom and dad the hero. And so I want to say thank you to every person that gave gifts, no matter what the, the age of the child. But can we put our hands together as a church and thank everybody that was a part of Giving Hope. So fantastic. Thank you. We love you. And uh, I'm believing next year we'll give away double the presents. So we'll give away double the presents and we'll have double the eggnog. Do you receive it? All the lactose intolerant people are like, no. Do they have like lactose intolerant eggnog for people? They do it for, yeah. It's almond eggnog. This is disgusting. Let's stick to the candy people. Anyways, if you have a Bible, go to the book of Luke today. Go to Luke chapter 15. And I want to pick up uh, the same story that we did last Sunday at Christmas is Love and pick back up um, some of the same themes. I just want to look at it from a different angle. Last week, for those of you that weren't with us on Christmas is Love, we had our kids up on stage. They were singing. Then some of them were crying. Those were mine. And, um, and <laughs> we had a great Sunday, but we were talking about the love of the Father. Just to recap quickly, we were really talking about wiping off the, well, the wrong face of God. You know, most people think of the Father as being angry, upset, disappointed, displeased. Most people live with shame because they don't see our Father being a relentless God of grace. Remember, the reason why we celebrate Christmas is because the Father had the idea to give the Son. Now, Jesus is the greatest gift of the Father, but please hear me, He's not the only gift of the Father. And we're celebrating a good Father this Christmas. So last Sunday, we talked about the love of this Father, how this Father, He... Um, well, he'll let you go when you need to go and experience what you need to experience. He's a God of free will. And he'll let you be wooed into staying when he feels like you need to be convinced to stay. I want to talk today, not about the father this Sunday, but I want to talk about the two sons. Watch the difference between the two boys, their reactions, their thinking, their heart set. And let's look together here in Luke 15. Verses 11 through 32. Are you well today? Yeah. Have you had any coffee today? Okay, so you ready for the word. Okay. Luke chapter 15, verse number 11. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. 
And the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. He wants his inheritance. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son who wanted his inheritance gathered all together, journeyed to a far country like Canada. And there, was, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Prodigal living, you could put in there loose living, just wasteful living, not living with purpose or intentionality. Verse 14, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. He would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I'll say to him, Dad, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me please like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. Now verse 20 is so pivotal and so powerful. Let's just land on this for one moment. And he arose and he came to his father. Sorry, I lost my place. He arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this son of mine was once dead, but he is now alive again. He was lost, but now he is found. And they began to be merry. And now his older brother was in the field. And as, as soon as he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, excuse me, uh, servant, what, what, what in the world's going on? The servant replied, your brother has come home. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and he would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. And so he answered and said to his father, Lo and behold, these many years I have been serving you. I never make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you kill the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is now alive again. He was lost. Now he's found. Now I know that, that that's quite a bit of reading, but you know, you gotta understand this is a beautiful story in scripture. Again, Jesus always told parables, he always told stories. Stories are windows into the heart of God. God is showing a window. He's giving us a picture of what our Father who in heaven, what He looks like, how He acts, how He operates, how He thinks. This is a window, a snapshot, if you would, into the heart of God. I want to preach a message today. If you're taking notes, you know my line, which I hope you are. I hope you are taking notes because we are at our church. We are note takers. If you take, if you take notes, the Bible says you will go to heaven. Thank you for the laugh. Um, but we, 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 you can write down the title of today's message. It's called Lost and Loved. Lost and Loved. Now I'm believing today that no matter where you are in the journey of faith, no matter what you're facing today, 
that whether you feel found or you feel lost, that today, ultimately, you will feel loved. And let's pray, let's believe today that God will speak to us in a real and a profound way. Father, thank you so much for our church. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. We are believing on a day like today that you can come and you can speak to us. God, we declare that you are good, you are gracious, you are kind. We love you so much. God, help us to understand your grace. And God, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we are believing that this week you will allow the Los Angeles Lakers, God, to rise back to playoff glory. God, we need to get past that 500 mark, and we can't do it without your grace. So, God, let our boys start hitting threes in Jesus' name. And we all said together. You know, we're going to stop praying for the Rams because God's not listening to those prayers. Let's all move as a community over to the Lakers, and let's just land over here in the Laker-Dodger territory. Can I get a witness? Can I get an amen? Go Dodgers. Go Lakers. We'll see you later, Rams, next year. Okay. Now, I don't know uh, if you are like a runner or if you like to to go on long runs or short runs, but you know, as you can tell by my gazelles, um, I uh, I like to run. I'm kind of a runner. I'm into it. Uh, my wife, she goes on runs. Now, my wife, the difference is she can go into the gym and she could do like four miles on the treadmill. I'm not a treadmill guy. I'm more of an outside runner. I like to get the run on, you know, get my Beats by Dre Pill, uh, little headphones in there and just start running. And, and, and w w part of being a runner is you got to be ready at any given moment to chase somebody down. Now, this is thoughts I think as a father. Now, I'm thinking as a father, I've got to be, somebody tries to mess with my kid if we're at Disneyland. Someone tries to mess with my kid at the Westfield Mall. I need to be, I need to be fit so I can run somebody down. The other reason why I need to be able to run is I got to run after my own kids. These children of ours, they are running rampant all over the house, and I got to start chasing. Have you ever gotten yourself in a situation where you had to chase someone down? You had to chase down that Uber that you thought was going to be here, and now they're leaving you? Come on, my preaching to anybody. Where are the Uber people at? If you're a Lyft person, we'll have an altar call after the service. But, but it's the worst feeling when, when, you're, when you're chasing something down that, that doesn't have any intention to stop that doesn't have any intention to respond, that when you're chasing something down that you really want their attention, you really want to get them back, it's the worst feeling like you're in a position that I'm up for the chase, but the object is not up for the response. I want to talk today about how our God, full of grace, is chasing you down. But you know, God's actually looking for a few people that's willing to stop the way they're living, stop the way they're behaving, and just say, you know what, I'm willing to at least give God a chance. If grace is chasing me down, if grace is relentlessly pursuing my life, how can I respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ? I want to preach a message today about being lost yeah, being loved. A lot of us don't realize how far we've drifted from the heart and the plan, the destiny of God. But the good news today, no matter whether you feel like you are totally on the straight and narrow, totally, totally doing well, or whether you feel so far away from grace, the reality is God will always be pursuing you. Grace doesn't wait for you to come to it. Grace actually pursues you. And I love this story about the prodigal sons. Now, again, just to quickly recap, we can look at the, the, the contrast of the two. This one over here, the prodigal, the one that's in loose living, he asks for his inheritance. He goes out, spends all of his money, 
It's really, if you think about it, a depiction of sin. He's foolish. He's wasting his money on prostitutes. He's in the embodiment of arrogance. He goes out and loses all of his inheritance. He's a bad steward. He really depicts sin. But the other son over here who is in the house, who is the goody two-shoe, who is morally sound, he's full of self-pride. This one over here, he feels like he can save himself because of his do-goodisms. He feels like he can save himself because of his behavior, not his belief. The contrast is so blaring. But I want to look at how both boys, if you really think about it, both of them are lost and they don't know it. Both of them are lost. It's just two different types of loss. The worst thing that can happen to you is you look at somebody else's life and say how lost they are, but you're over here and you don't realize how lost you are. The worst thing that can happen to you is when you start studying other people's lives and you're not attentive to your own heart, your own soul, your own mind, your own issues. Am I preaching to anybody today that is thankful that I can take assessment and inventory of whether I'm doing the will of God or not? Now, both of them have problems. Both of them are lost. Here's the first thing that they are both lost in. You can write it down. They both have lost control. They both have a lust for it, don't they? This one over here wants control by leaving and being disobedient. This one over here wants control by staying and being obedient. But both of them have control issues. Can I ask you a question today? Are you a control freak? Because I know I am. But, um, but are, you, are you someone that needs control? Most of us, what makes us anxious, what stresses us out, was when we don't have control. I don't have control on my raise. I don't have control on my finances. I don't feel like I have control of the trajectory of my life. I have no control, and so therefore I'm reaching out. This guy over here goes, I don't know what, what you're going to do with my inheritance. I don't trust you if you're going to give me my inheritance. I don't know when you're going to kick the bucket. I don't know when you're going to die. I need control right now. Give it to me now. This one over here, he wants control by saying, no, I'm going to be good. I'm going to do the, the God thing. I'm going to be in church. And this control I have, it makes me feel better than others. You got to be careful in life that you don't become a control freak, but you really transition into a trust freak. Chad, it's not about being a freak. It's just about trust. But <laughs> did he just say trust freak? Yeah, stop judging. But um, Really what it comes down to is this one stopped trusting a good father. This one stopped trusting a good father. It just looks so different, doesn't it? And can I ask you today, are you a person that's willing to stop having all the control over your life and surrendering that to God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, therefore, in view of God's mercy, in view of our good Father, it says that we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before Him. In other words, it's saying, God, I give you control. You have my time. You have my treasure. You have my talent. I don't need to have control. The Bible says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries in itself. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's about saying, I don't need control because he's in control. Come on, why don't we thank God today that he is in control, and I don't have to try and take it. Both of them wanted control, and they lost it. That's why you, you will always lose what you refuse to surrender. 
If you refuse to surrender it, that thing is going to get taken from you. So this one lost control, and this one lost control. And then write down number two. Not only did they lose control, but write down number two. They lost their identity. Their identity gets rocked to the core. When you try and take matters into your own hands and when you try and gather strength in yourself and, and saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to save myself. This one over here, he, he wanted the control of being his own Lord. I, I'm going to call the shots. I'm going to spend my money. I, I, don't need to, I don't need Dave Ramsey and some financial peace university. I'm going to go out and spend as much as I want, do as much as I want, sleep with people. Do, I'm, a, I'm Lord of my life. This guy thought he was Lord. This guy thought he was Savior. Both of them wanted control. But both of them, to the core of who they are, they lost their identity. Identity always creeps in in times of pressure to try and discourage you from being confident in who you are and whose you are. When you've got identity in Christ, when you've got identity in Jesus, you've got nothing to prove and nothing to lose. Listen, the thing that the enemy always wants to attack in your world is he wants to attack your identity. Do you know who you are? Do you know, do, do you re, are you really forgiven from that sin? Does God really have a good plan for your life? It, it, it looks to me like God's blessing so-and-so and he ain't doing nothing for you. It, it, looks, like, it looks like God's hands on them, but, but it's been a long time since you got a blessing and, and wants to always threaten your identity. I want to tell you today, I'll give, let me give you some application. Your goal should be being confident in Christ. I'm confident. Listen, I'm not confident in what I can do. I'm confident in what I can do through Christ. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't strengthen myself. I don't call the shots. I'm not the boss of my life. I'm not the Lord of my life. I'm definitely not the Savior of my life. But I have an identity in Christ. You know, it's so important that you get the Word of God in your life. And I know that we just finished going through a series about your word. And we really talked about the word of God because I believe it's so important that you get God's thoughts over your life. You get God's thinking over your world. Because when I get what God thinks about me, what God thinks about me shapes my identity. And I know that if God doesn't shape my identity, the world will try and shape my identity. Let me just tell you as the leader of this community, and Julia and I, we, call, we count it an honor to lead this church. But you know, one of the things I'm always cogniz- cognitive of, I'm always aware that I'm always speaking to the identity and the soul of our church. That's why we did Heart and Soul on Wednesday. Because I really believe that it's like my children and the church are the same right now. We're, they're both young. They're both being formed. They're both being shaped. And I'm concerned about their identity. So I tell my son what I tell our church. I always say, Zoe Church. Zoe Church, you are so faithful. Zoe Church, you are so kind. Zoe Church, you are so generous. Zoe Church, you are so gracious. And I tell, I tell Zoe Church what it is. I tell my sons. I tell my daughter what they are. You know, you know, son, you are called by God. You know, I, t- I tell Winston, Winston, you got grace all of your life because I know that if I can shape identity, if I can shape, then he'll get some confidence. When your confidence is raised up, you don't have to ask for your inheritance early if you got confidence. You don't got to bail. When, so, when someone else starts succeeding, you don't have to be threatened. The, 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 the other brother was threatened by the celebration of another brother. When you're confident in your identity, all kinds of people could be succeeding around you. And instead of being threatened and feeling lessened, you just join the party and start Macarena with them. Come on. 
But you know, an insecure person, when the celebration for this brother, when he returned home, this one was so insecure, it threatened his identity. Why is it that most of us, we feel less because our friend's succeeding instead of celebrating and joining in on that success? Can I tell you how good it looks on you when the people in your world are excelling and succeeding? Because you're a part of that. You've got ownership in that. You ought to take pride when your family is going to the next level, when your friends are going to the next level. You don't, that doesn't take away from you. No, that adds to you. And these guys were threatened. This one was threatened so much, it rocked their identity. Can I just ask you today, are you secure in Christ? Are you secure in who you are in God? Because when you get a revelation of how much God loves you, you say, you know what? I don't need cars. I don't need fame. I don't need this, that, or the other. I'm loved by God, and that is enough. Jesus plus nothing equals everything for me. I, am calm. I haven't lost my identity. I've gained my identity. Anybody thankful today that you're in church, and your identity is getting added to and spoken to and shaped and formed? You're not getting the thoughts of the world. You're getting God's thoughts. The world will always say, prove your identity, and God will always say, rest in your identity. The world will always try and get you to do backflips and tricks and prove that you're called by God. But the grace of God, when it's on you, you say, I just stand here and know I'm a child. I am called. I am anointed. I am graced to do this. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm actually the head and not the tail. I'm actually more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I don't have to prove anything because I have identity. Anybody thankful today you haven't lost control because you relinquish control you haven't lost identity because you are in Christ here's the third thing that they lost write this one down not only did they lose control and they lost identity but here's the sad thing about it is they lost relationship and then now I want to talk about one of the most powerful things in this world and that's the power of a relationship and I said this last Sunday for those of you that weren't here let me repeat it Really what was sad is that the prodigal son, when he left, he might have left the house, but really he was rejecting a relationship. He was saying, I don't want any relationship with you right now. I want to bounce out. This kid, when he was leaving, when the father threw the party and everybody went crazy for the son and they're dancing with the fatted calf and all that stuff, this one was leaving a relationship. Isn't it amazing that the Bible says in Proverbs that a man that isolates himself seeks his own desire and rages against all wisdom. It's a fascinating thing that when you really start getting into the lust for control and a threat to your identity is you actually start going off to do your own thing and you will break relationships. And I was talking with a businessman this last week and he recommended this book. In fact, I got on Amazon Amazon for the first time. I don't think I've ever ordered a book on Amazon. I felt so proud. I felt like my wife. I was like, they're like, Amazon Prime, do you have it? I was like, my wife does, but I want to order this book right now. So I got on, and, and he was telling me about this book called Enemies of Excellence. And he's talking about how, how, how the mighty fall. What are the common themes of someone that falls? And he was talking about how you'll, you'll, you'll watch them indulge too much. You'll watch them become arrogant. He said, you, 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 it ends in isolation. But one of the things, one of the earmarks, I think there were seven. I don't know. I haven't read the book. Amazon sent it to me. But, um, but one of the earmarks in it, I thought it was so fascinating. He said, these people, when they fall, they're arrogant. That's the kid right there. They're indulgent. There he is again. And 
they have broken relationships. Can I ask you today, do you have any broken relationships? Do you have any relationships that used to be intact, used to be in order, used to be healthy, and now they're broken? Because the prodigal son, when he went out to go in his loose living, he was willing to break a relationship. This kid right here, when he went out storming, pouting, he was willing to break a relationship. You know, all you have on this earth are your relationships. In fact, every resource that you need is actually in the relationships that you have. And you, one of the things that the lust for control and the lust for a great identity does is it, are, it, it bypasses and it breaks every relationship in your world. Because now you don't have others in mind, you only have self in mind. Now you could care less about what your family feels like because you're on the agenda to what you feel like. And it's so important that you and I, we make the decision to say, I will relinquish control to God. I will give the identity that I need to the word of God. But I, I refuse, I refuse, I refuse. I, lest I be someone that lives with a bunch of broken relationships in my wake, a bunch of broken relationships that used to be intact. No, listen, it, uh, the most painful thing I've ever gone through in life, besides our daughter Georgia, which many of you know about, it, it always goes back to relationships. I wish I wouldn't have said this. I wish I could have handled this better. I wish I wouldn't have bypassed that thing. I wish I would have been more sensitive. The most important thing that you and I do, we live with a sense of healthy relationships. Your life is defined by your relationships. You are the sum of your influence and the sum of your relationships. God made us relational beings. That's why he wants us to have a relationship with him and a relationship with others. God doesn't want you to be in love with him and have broken relationships with others. No, God wants us to be healthy with him and healthy with others. These boys missed out because they said, I don't care about my relationship with dad. I'd rather go do my own thing. I hope at Zoe Church, we say, and I am yielding my control. I am submitted to the process and I'm living with healthy relationships with my friends and my family and of course my church. Somebody say amen. amen. This is fascinating. This is unbelievable. These three things are so, they're so powerful and they hold so much truth. Lust of control, lost it. Lost identity, trying to take it into his own hand. And then the third one, the loss of relationship. I just, I want to stay on this point just for one more moment because I feel the Holy Spirit saying this to, to our church today. The, the power of our community is that we refuse to be offended. We refuse the bait of Satan. This one over here, the prodigal son that went out in loose living, he didn't have the chance to be offend, uh, offended. He was the offense. But this one over here that stayed in the church, some of you have to get over another person's behavior so you can stay believing in your future and theirs. And we refuse at this church the bait of Satan. Somebody say amen. amen. So they lost control. They lost identity. They lost relationship. So what do you do when you're lost? What do, you, what do you do in life? You ever have a friend that's like, oh, man, so-and-so is so lost right now. Oh, man, they used to be in their right mind. They used to be doing good. But m m how the mighty have fallen. Maybe it was indulgence. Maybe it was arrogance. Maybe it was broken relationships. But somehow they got the way and now they're lost. Have you ever gone through a season where you feel lost? Have you ever gone through a season where you're like, I don't know what it is, but I used to feel like so fired up about God, or I used to feel like God had a plan for my life, and now it's like uh, so-and-so passed, and finances aren't good, and the Rams can't win a game, and I'm lost. What do you do when you're lost? Because someone could be lost in this spot, 
and another could be lost, but both are just as lost. One is not better than the other. What do you do when you're lost? Good news today. Because the Bible says in Psalm 119, and this is the king of Israel, King David, writing this powerful truth. I'm going to talk about his life for a moment, but let's go to this verse because I believe it holds so much power and so much life implication. Watch what King David says. He says in Psalm 119, verse 176, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. But, but I have gone astray like a lot. Are you, are you telling me, David, like King David, like King of Israel, David has been lost? This is David preaching. This is David writing. Like David, do you remember uh, uh, Samuel goes to Jesse's house, his father, and he looks through all the sons and, and he says, no, God told me that there's a king in this spot. And, and it was the youngest one. It was David, da the, the Goliath killer David. Like writer of the Psalms, David. Like David, they used, used to come back from war and they would say, Saul has slain his thousands. And David, King David, his ten thousands. Like David's not supposed to be lost. David's a Christian man. He's a church going man. He's a Bible reading man. How can Christians get lost? You and I, and the Bible is alluding to the pressures that you and I feel. And we have to conclude today that sometimes I'm going to go through lost seasons. But no matter how lost I am, grace is going to chase me down. He's going, God, seek me. Chase me. God, I, 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 I know that I don't have the power even to bring myself back. Can you come and get me, God? This whole Luke chapter 15 is started with three stories. And the first one was a, a, a shepherd that had a hundred sheep. And Jesus said, you know, this great shepherd, if, if 99 are safe, but one gets lost. Again, this is a window into the heart of God. He's saying, oh, we serve the type of shepherd who will go find that one lost sheep. David knew it, didn't he? David said, seek me, seek me, God, seek me, find me. I, I'm, I'm gonna, sometimes I'm going to drift. Sometimes I'm going to get into indulgence. Sometimes I can fall into arrogance. Sometimes it's my identity that's gets rocked. Sometimes i got broken relationships. Seek me like a lost sheep. I just want to encourage you today. And you can write down point number four. I hope this brings great peace to your soul today. Grace is chasing you down. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up and the keyboard player to make me sound awesome. But can I just give you the reality that maybe you didn't realize before you came to church today? Grace doesn't wait for you to get ready. Grace doesn't wait for you to step into a building. Grace chases you down. Running? Talking about being fit? We don't call him the lazy shepherd. He's the Usain Bolt. He's the good shepherd. He's the shepherd that runs you down. You know, they say of shepherds that shepherds have a, a staff. And there's a little hook on the shepherd's staff because he knows when, when we need that hook to bring us back. I just have to believe that this boy that left in the, in the prodigal living when he was in that pig pen and he was coming to his senses, it was almost like the Holy Spirit was, was hooking him with grace. He said, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. Come on back. He comes storming out. This one comes storming out the door and say, I'm out of here. I'm leaving, Dad. You, I can't believe you. And, he's, and the father runs out. What's he doing? He's chasing him down. 
I don't know what you're struggling with today, but as you drift, he chases. We don't serve the God that folds his arm and says, let's see how you're going to get together. Let's wait for you to come back on your own. It's about time you come home. No, he's chasing you down. He chased Peter down when he, when he fell away right after the resurrection. He chased down so many people throughout the Bible that were in the midst of torment, in the midst of despair. He chased down Jonah. He chased down Abraham. And I believe he'll chase you down. Grace does not wait for you to get it right. He is the good shepherd that leaves 99 church people that have it together for when I'm in my season of brokenness, he's going to chase me down. No, no, parent, maybe you're in a, a wandering lost season. Businessman, maybe you feel like the last six months have been the hardest six months of your life. Can you be at rest today? I just feel like some of you has stormed out. And here comes the Father running you down. Maybe you had a season away and you thought God had left you. No, the reality is God was hooking you back in. Because the reality is, and you can write down the last point today, and we're going to end with this. And <laughs> This is so Christmas' love and Christmas time. He loves you enough. In fact, more than you think that he does. God loves you. He loves you. You know, love will make you do crazy things. Love will make you drive to places you never thought you'd drive to, make you spend ways that you never thought you'd spend. Love will keep you on the phone through the midnight hour. Love will make you text with an obsessive amount of emojis. Love will make you be a shepherd that goes out and finds his lost sheep. Here's David. He's, I'm lost. I'm lost. Didn't David get lost? An affair? A murder? He's lost. Knows God, loves God, but he's lost. And the Holy Spirit prompts him to say, that's all right. All you have to do is say, God, will you seek me? I feel like a sheep that's lost. And I just believe today, some of you, just like this prodigal, the lost are going to be found. In the name of Jesus. Maybe you felt dead on the inside. You're going to come alive today in the name of Jesus. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but I know I came to encourage you. He loves you more than you think he does. He's chasing you down, and he's bringing you back to say, no, no, give the control to me. I've got an identity to shape in you, and all those relationships can be restored and redeemed in the kingdom of God. Come on, church, do you believe it today? Come on, let's applaud and thank God for his goodness and his grace and his mercy. Come on, let's pray together. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.